Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special Encore series of Trekking Through Compliance. This series will focus on the 2020 television show Picard. In this series, I'm joined by Megan Doherty. Megan is co-founder and partner at One Stone Creative, a podcast production firm. Megan is a Star Trek aficionado, although a Voyager Star Trek aficionado. And as all you listeners know, I'm an original series aficionado. Nevertheless, we both love Jean-Luc Picard, and we are going to explore the lessons learned and the shows and our love for Star Trek in the context of Picard. So sit back and enjoy this special presentation from Trekking Through Compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox and Megan Doherty back for another episode of Trekking Through Compliance, our focus on the TV show Picard. Uh, as always, I'm joined by, as I said, Megan Doherty, one half of the founding team at One Stone, um, One Turn Creative, sorry. Um, the um, Today, we're going to take up episode two. So I'm, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the episode. So hopefully you've seen it by now because uh, episode three will be upcoming. In this episode, a flashback shows a normal day on Mars Utopia Plantisha shipyards, followed by a deadly attack. Uh, by the synthetics that was referenced in episode one. Following Dodge's death, Card tracks, uh, seeks to track her sister Soji down. With the help of Laris, he investigates Dodge's apartment and finds the place completely scrubbed, and that was an interesting forensic set, uh, scene. Laris suggests the assassins may have been part of the Vat Vosh, an organization of Romulans so secret, even more secretive than the Tal Shiar, if you remember that from uh, TNG and various other series that holds a deep rooted hatred of synthetics at the star uh, <clears throat> at Starfleet. Uh, Picard appeals for a ship, but is denied by Admiral Clancy. Picard attempts to assemble his own crew, inviting Agnes Girati and the estranged Rafi Muscular. Uh, meanwhile, Clancy informs uh, Commodore O at Picard's request and asks her to look into it. Turns out O is a secret Romulan spy, surgically altered to look like a Terran. Uh, O notifies Lieutenant Rizzo, who is her undercover operative, and instructs the undercover operative to stay on mission. Well, it turns out that mission is uh, Narek's attempt to seduce, and uh, we will see with uh, what he does to Soji. Uh, Rizzo goes to speak to um, uh, Narek via a very cool, hollow communicator, it turns out this is her brother, and they talk as only brother and sister can. Rizzo warns Narek that if it does not persuade Soji to reveal the location of other synthetics, she will be take, forced to take drastic measures. So a uh, lot going on in this uh, episode. Uh, Megan, what were some of your initial thoughts? The, the biggest thing I noticed about this episode, um, and I didn't really catch it so much on the last one, was just how cool the technology is. So, like, of all the other Star Trek's when kind of people, you know, they're tapping on screens and, and uh, you know, interfacing that way with via voice, um, there's all these amazing visuals 
uh, and kind of the holographic interfaces people are using, almost this kind of sign language to interact with their tech. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and I also thought they were doing a lot of a really huge kind of, they're setting the seeds for the main plot over the rest of the episode. So there's like the double secret agents and the plants into Starfleet, uh, which is all very terrifying and very exciting. So I really like the uh, scrubbing scene in the apartment. And just, oh, it's great. just imagine uh, the original CSI 200 years into the future, uh, because that's, that's how basic it was, but also how cool it was. And um, basically when they couldn't find anything, they said, well, let's just go to a different frequency. Uh, so a different colored blue light. Well, yeah, I, I was interested in what you thought about that, uh, too, because, like, I mean, they've got this amazing kind of forensics, and they also just seem to be able to teleport willy-nilly into a place where they might not necessarily have permission to be. It's like, what, what, what's up with that? How are they just, like, arriving anywhere <laughs> that they want? Uh, I wonder uh, if you have to have some sort of uh, bubble or other uh, protective shield to prevent that, because uh, uh, as our listeners and viewers will recall, that started episode one where they teleported mm-hmm. into her apartment and attempted to assassinate her, killing her boyfriend at the time. Yeah, there seems to be no no regulations around teleportation that have been evident so far. So why is it after seven years of TNG, after seven years of Deep Space Nine, after seven years of Voyager, um, we're going to leave TOS and TAS out of this, we now find that there is the Tal Shiar is not the most secretive organization on Romulus. There's an, actually a super duper secret uh, organization, the Va- Bat Vash. What were your thoughts on that? Really reminded me of of and not to get too grim, but like I think there's in a lot of oppressive regimes, there's always been like the main police and then the super secret police. So it's like that they had that in Russia, they had that in in the Third Reich in Germany. Um, there's always kind of the the behind the behind or behind the, the main police force that people got extra scared of. And it, it strikes me as like it's a serious protectionism thing. So this is probably like the, the remains of the leaders of Romulus, uh, whoever they are. Uh, it's part of their heritage. And it's also, I think, just part of... It, it's fighting back against the reason they're all dead. So their society was destroyed by this thing that they feared the most. Um, their boogeyman, you know, the synthetics. Uh, and so... It makes sense to me that kind of the organization, whether or not it was real before the supernova, um, after they were effectively destroyed, you know, there was a new enemy. They had to kind of get, take action against this foe uh, that had been so long frightening them. So what does it say about Starfleet that they have Romulan spies directly uh, in the chain of command at Starfleet? Has uh, uh, Starfleet uh, taken it down a notch in terms of their security protocols? I was actually, I was, that was on my list I wanted to ask you about, um, because, I mean, that seems like corporate espionage, government failure at, at a huge level. Uh, I mean, from your experience working with bigger organizations, is that even possible? Like, can you get a mole in that deep? Well, uh, you can, but typically they don't rise to that level, and if they do, they're mm-hmm. a very long-term plant, uh, <clears throat> uh, definitely in for, for the long haul. Um, I mean, cosmetic surgery helps. That, that certainly helps. And yeah. <laughs> as we know, there are Romulans freely living uh, on Earth now mm-hmm. uh, after the destruction of their son. So perhaps that led to a little bit of a, of a security lessening at Starfleet. I guess the kind of the main scene, certainly around leadership, was Picard's appeal to um, 
Admiral Clancy. There's a fun um, fact about Clancy. A, uh, Clancy okay. was an ensign on the original TNG. Oh. <laughs> that is a fun fact. <laughs> so I was trying to think, uh, as a plot point, I suppose he had to do it, and he's spit and polish Starfleet, so he's going to go through channels, uh, but they were never going to give him a ship. Uh, no. Certainly at his advanced age, on medical medical considerations alone, but after that interview, um, I mean, what was he thinking? That he could just waltz in and say, I'm Jean-Luc Picard, give me a ship? I mean, maybe there was part of that. I think there, there's like the probably the plot reason and also kind of the, the, the story reason. So from a story reason, like they had to give him some pushback and it had to be, I think, from another older person, from another piece of Starfleet brass to kind of bring up the fact that we talked about this a little bit on the last episode. Picard is older. His age is going to have an impact in this and that, you know, you're a delusional old man is probably his own biggest fear. So I think they had to work in that conversation to advance that kind of character development that's going to be happening over the coming, you know, episodes. But from the, the plot standpoint, um, I don't know, maybe he is setting the seed for, maybe he thinks that there are Romulan plants. Maybe he thinks something's not right, and maybe Starfleet hasn't actually changed this month much. He might suspect there's a secret agent in Starfleet, and he wants to kind of be on the record as like, hey, no, we're still on the same team. I'm here when you realize it. So that, that's my theory. Uh, let me take that in a little bit different direction. Maybe he realizes yeah. there's a possibility and he's doing this intentionally to flush them out. Considerably more likely, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here overthinking. <laughs> well, not only does he flush them out, but he also, to your point, he shows he's still in, in on, the Star, on the Starfleet team. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, perhaps it could be both. Yeah, and, and I think like it was partly for us as the viewers, I think to really understand kind of how Picard might be seeing himself and how we're supposed to view him as potentially just a delusional old guy. So we have talked about the, um, uh, elder action hero in episode one, mm-hmm. and we may see some more of that a little bit down the road. But, um, if we think back to this show, um, it's based on generations which what, uh, I suppose I'd known that, but I didn't really realize that until the ending credits of the show, which I watched. And at the, uh, but I was more concerned about the final episode of TNG, where they uh, mm-hmm. time jumped, um, I think, uh, 20 years in the future. Um, and it was clear at that sequence, um, Picard was not at the mental acuity he was when he was a Starfleet commander and a ship commander. And I was just wondering, are we seeing signs that, I don't want to say dementia because I'm not suggesting that at all, but certainly he's not as sharp as he was. Physically, he obviously can't be. But uh, mentally, is is, did you see any of that or did I just kind of uh, overlay that onto all of this? I think you're... you're seeing something that's there. I mean, because the, the doctor came to the chateau and basically said, you're going to die, right? Like, because of all this, what's going on. So I think that with the conversation he had with Admiral Clancy, um, I, I think they're setting all of this up to be a, a conspiracy that exists only in his head. And I was thinking that uh, Starfleet would use his discussion with Clancy to really show uh, why he was not mentally fit to uh, move out into space as well. Uh, we had the introduction of a new character uh, at the end of this episode, Rafi. 
and she appears to be extraordinarily interesting. Um, clearly, there had been some sort of uh, emotional break between she and Picard, uh, although it bought, brought a very nice vintage of wine that uh, she responded to. Um, the first question I really wanted to ask you, could they have been lovers? No, I don't think so. Mentor, mentee? I don't think so. I think mentor, mentee, that rings, that rings more to me. I think a substantial age difference there. I, I think Jean looks a little classy yeah. for that. <laughs> and she seems really smart. So uh, I, think, I think colleagues and mentor, mentee seems more likely to me. Okay. So that, um, and... Star Trek's always been good about the relationships. They've always let them build over time. Right. I don't think, yeah. The, um, I, I'd be surprised. We have to have the TOS reference. <laughs> she lived in a, um, I guess you would call it a trailer, but whatever the 23rd century mm-hmm. name of a trailer is, but it was at Vasquez Rocks, which I found extraordinarily cool. Uh, so for all you original series aficionados out there, you'll understand that reference. But uh, my wife didn't think it was as uber cool as I did, but I thought it was uber <laughs> That's how I felt when I found out Clancy was Ensign Clancy. <laughs> What about the Borg Borg Reclamation Project? Did you find any ethical issues around that? Are they simply um, terminating the existence of these former Borgs by uh, removing the implants? Uh, We do obviously see some Borgs who are working in this project, so they see it as as something of value and something that is ethically acceptable to do. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts around that? Because at first I thought... They're basically just decommissioning these Borgs, and um, do they go through any sort of uh, therapy, retraining, anything else after their hardware is removed? I I think they must, because I mean, I've been. It was weird to watch the second episode after the first one because the the Borg cube and everyone in it was kind of set up to be the bad guys, like really evidently in the first episode, and now I'm I'm feeling that a lot less because it feels like they're. There's compassion involved in, you know, these people have been severed from the collective, or these drones have been severed from the collective. Let's try to, like, re-people them. Let's make them people again. And the way they're right. going about that, I mean, I I, I don't think, it, it doesn't seem unethical to me. Like, it seems like they're genuinely trying to help. I mean, to what ends? Who knows? Um, but then you kind of think it's the Romulan, like, the Romulan survivors who are doing this, and they hate synthetics. Is, Bo- uh, right. is a Borg a synthetic? Like, are they trying to, like, get their people out of that attachment to synthetics? Are they trying to really understand synthetics? What's happening there is my big question. Yeah, that's a great point. I was, uh, when they fir- the first scene they showed of that in the reclamation, um, I, I was incredibly uneasy with that from the ethical perspective. But uh, it cannot simply be that black and white. Uh, first of all, Star Trek would never mm-hmm. allow it to be that black and white and for the storyline. Okay. But there must be a greater purpose for this. And there must be a greater purpose to to rehabilitate some of the uh, former drones of the collective. Well, especially any who were Romulan, because their population has been so decimated. You know, any Romulans that are left, you got to get them out. You got to get them back and and, and breeding, probably. So um, this feels like um, <clears throat> uh, this episode felt like to me part of similar to a prologue story arc. So certainly mm-hmm. the first episode reintroduced it to everyone. Now we've sort of introduced uh, the component of the reclamation project and Picard's desire to get out into space to find out what's going on. Did you see uh, see things in a different way from that perspective? No, I think it, it feels like a nice um, 
like they're sort of easing back into Star Trek. So nice. the first one, it was just so exciting because it was Star Trek again. And <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one who felt like that. <laughs> and this one is like, okay, now that we're really kind of starting to understand, you know, why Picard is the way he is. We're introducing more of the main characters. I bet there's more coming in the next couple of episodes. Like it's a slow build. They're not jumping into things really, really fast, um, which I hope means multi-series, but we'll see. <laughs> well, they're actually signed. Uh, I know they've signed to season two. I can't remember uh, if they've signed for se- season three or not, but I know they have announced season two is uh, oh, that's awesome. going to start in production. I'm, I'm really excited to get to learn more about Rafi. She seems really, really interesting. I was getting a, did you, did you watch Firefly? I'm getting a Zoe from Firefly vibe. Uh, no, I did not watch Firefly. Okay. Firefly so, oh, I think you'd like it. <laughs> Got to add that to your list. Okay. So, um, <laughs> the, um, any sort of final thoughts on, uh, I think we always knew Picard was going to return to space. Uh, and what I was, I guess, most interested in is what are the characters he will populate around him mm-hmm to go back into space. Any thoughts on that? Um, I think Rafi definitely. They wouldn't have given her so much time or put her in such a cool historical location right. if she wasn't going to be important. Um, I think the doctor from the first episode, Agnes, right. Dr. the synth Karate. doctor, yeah, because yeah, she had all the information about data and right. I think she's going to be there. And I think his, his, um, um, his kind of at-home Romulan helper friends. Right. Because they had all the information about kind of the, the super secret society, which is, I think it'll loom really large. So I think they're going to be involved too. Okay. Well, we yeah, look forward yeah. to uh, episode three and see that where, where that might take us. Uh, I'm greatly looking forward to it, Megan. Me too. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.